Join brilliant minds as they come together to tackle the biggest healthcare problems facing the globe. The content in this series is taken from the 2018 conference in London. Coming up is an introduction to the FET conference by our CEO, Ben Sims. My name's Ben Sims, I'm Chief Exec of FET, and I think I have one of the best jobs in the world. And the story of the charity's inception by founder Sir Elder Parry. I found that the historic attitude of this country to helping Commonwealth countries in medicine had been lost. Enjoy. So FET is a charity that is um, operating with a vision of extending healthcare to everyone across the world. So we care passionately, particularly about low and middle income countries, but we're equally passionate about the NHS. And we, as well as benefiting those low middle income countries, we want to benefit the NHS. And so we're looking for the mutual benefit. And frankly, I think that's a sort of grown up notion of what overseas aid should look like nowadays. Um, I think the days of, you know, Bob Geldof standing up and saying there's famine in Ethiopia really need to be left behind and replaced with more honest, if you like, transactions. And what we get in that honesty is much better um, programs because we get, we get pushback from our partners saying, well, actually, we don't need that. We'd like you to do this. Um, and, and, and that whole sense in which that is at the heart of systemic change, um, creating a more internationally minded NHS, a NHS that's better able to learn from um, examples overseas, um, as well as you know how FET is building um, health systems in, in, in those low middle income countries. It's just a very, very exciting space that the charity occupies and I think it's quite unique in that respect. There is something fabulous about spending time with brilliant people, and they are brilliant. They're surgeons, they're nurses, they're, you know, they come from every walk of life. Um, and every one of them has some kind of amazing story to say about the time they've spent overseas, the impact they've been ha having through their projects. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health and the the improvements on maternal health, the improvements um, for child health that, that they have achieved um, by better triaging of, of people. So, so there are so many examples um, of, of stories of, of, of excellence, and that, that's always the biggest thrill of the conference. I love it because it speaks to Thet's role, um, serving as a, you know, in a humble way as a catalyst for persuading the NHS to be more engaged in the lives of health workers in developing countries. So this conference is both a celebration of wonderful achievements across very, very many people who are essentially volunteers, busy people with day jobs in the NHS who are volunteering their time, making a difference in Africa and Asia. Um, but it's both, uh, both a celebration of that, but also a sort of forensic look at how could we be doing this more effectively? How could we have more impact? How do we look across at what other people are doing and make sure we're learning from those other initiatives? It's about um, how does um, NHS recruitment, for example, impact on developing countries? And what are we gonna do about that? We have this health workforce crisis in the UK which necessitates this 
recruitment of health workers from overseas, but asking questions about what is the impact of that on those countries that we're recruiting from, and, and trying to think of, the, of, of ethical ways forward, if you like, that are win-wins both for the NHS and for those developing countries. And I think training is at the heart of the answer on that. So it's about the NHS is both, yes, delivering a service to, to UK citizens, but it's also a fantastic training resource for people from overseas who want to learn about um, good medicine, good practice, what um, an effective uh, system delivering universal health coverage actually looks like. So ethics has been huge, and I was particularly delighted on that theme to launch our um, toolkit with Students for Global Health which is a, a national network of students, mainly medics, mainly uh, medical students, but it's a bit broader than that. And it's a um, national network um, bringing together um, chapters across all the universities, really, in the UK. And that toolkit was also sort of asking ethical questions. We've got a lot of young people traveling overseas, doing electives or, or volunteering, and we need to ask tough questions. Is that really good development? Are they really bringing benefit to those countries um, and to the hospitals or the clinics that they're, 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 they're spending time in? Or is there, in fact, um, improvements that we could make which would actually um, benefit the student by all means, but also bring benefit to the host institution? So I think ethics has been a huge part of what we've been talking about. So I'm here at the THEC conference in London with Professor Sir Eldred Parry. It's a pleasure um, to meet you. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? I grew up in a medical family. My mother and father were very dedicated, what would now be called old-fashioned general practitioners. My mother's brother was a famous surgeon. Uh, her sister was a medical missionary in India, so we have many doctors in the family, my sister also. And I was educated at Cambridge and Cardiff and went on to work in London. And from London, I was seconded to Nigeria to the teaching hospital in Ibadan in 1960. That changed my wife. We were married just before we went and me for life. And I worked in academic medicine and then when, after coming back to London, having extended our initial one-year secondment to two and a half in Abaddon, I came back. Uh, I was invited to go back to Ethiopia to join the new faculty of medicine in the University of Addis Ababa. After three, over, just over three years there, I was invited to go back to Nigeria to work as professor of medicine. And thereafter, we went. We stayed in Nigeria, became dean of an, another new medical school, and then went on to Ghana as dean of another. So when I came back home, I found that the historic attitude of this country to helping Commonwealth countries in medicine had been lost and found that it was fashionable to talk about grassroots medicine and to talk about teaching hospitals and to talk about equipping medical students 
to be trained to do what was relevant had been forgotten. And so had I been in a dean's chair in West Africa and someone had come and told me, this is what you should be doing, I would have showed them the door. And so it was very obvious that the way to go ahead, which has been our abiding philosophy since, was to go to the leaders in the African countries, whether in ministries of health or medical or nursing or laboratory training schools, and say to them, where are you trying to go? What are the weaknesses? What are the difficulties? Where are the gaps? How can we, through our colleagues at home, help you fill them? And it's grown. Our first links meeting, as we called it then, was in, held in a, a small room in just by Euston Station, where we had rooms at the time. And now it's bigger. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, very lovely to see motivated younger people uh, coming through who are different from what they were 30 years ago when we started, almost 30 years ago when we started. I notice now in medical students there's much more interest in global health than there was 30 years ago, much more. And that is true not only here in North America, I was told that about 60% of medical students are concerned globally. It's wonderful. But that has to be put into its context, and people can't just go around and change or save the world overnight. They have to fit in with what is wanted locally. Mm -hmm. And I believe we don't go and tell a country what to do. The partnerships which are here are done in order to fulfill what overseas colleagues have defined mm -hmm. are areas where they can work together. And it's a good example of living as a civilized society should do. And I'm glad that our country has determined to continue its 0.7% towards uh, international development. If a rich country doesn't do that, it's robbing the poor. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that, to support the government in that most strongly. And I wish that certain newspapers uh, were confined to the bin when they say other things. But it's a privilege to work with people of dignity and poverty. It's a privilege to be asked to help and then to learn. And I'm sure that if you too, as medical students, went and worked in a proper targeted place, not just to have a jolly on an election, you will learn a great deal, much more than you contributed. So that's it. I'm not going to talk anymore. You've touched on the FET partnerships. Yeah. There. So um, what were your motivations and your reasons for starting FET well, partnerships? Well, we, it wasn't so much a motivation. Part, but the, let me give you an illustration. The dean, or the director, as he then was, of the Jimmer Institute of Health Sciences, said to me, and he was working in a medical school which had been set up by the ministry to get away from the urban attitude of the Addis Ababa Medical School. He said to me, please help our young specialists to be better. 
Now, I was not working in a London teaching hospital at the time, and so I had to go and find specialists in those areas, which he defined, in order for them to train his young men. They were young men all at that time. And that meant that there was a partnership, or the, an embryonic partnership, between the Ethiopian College of Health Sciences, and it was actually King's College Hospital, and between Southampton and the same place. And then Lester came to us with uh, a colleague I'd worked with in Nigeria, and he said, I want to work overseas. And I said, I can find someone for you. <laughs> he wanted to go back to Nigeria, and he went to Gonda in Ethiopia. As a result of that, Lester set up his own charitable trust for uh, working with Ethiopia. And for many, it's still going, and for many years they worked together. So that is how we didn't say, let's start partnerships. We started meeting defined needs, which evolved into partnerships. And then the uh, chief executive of a big hospital trust came to see what could be done. And the hospital overseas said, but we want help with the laundry. We want help with psychiatric nursing. We want help with management. And that was done. By, and then, for example, Lester, the um, president of the University of Gondor, went to spend time uh, in Leicester. Mm -hmm. And so did the registrar to learn university administration. That was needs they defined. Well, thank you. It's absolutely fascinating hearing you talk about it. Um, for you, what do you see the future of SET being? I believe that the, we face very, very difficult times in health worldwide. I only know Africa. Climate change and population growth and poverty are appalling. Owen Bader showed a slide from last week's Economist. I had already got that onto my PowerPoint for a talk I'm going to give soon. The poverty, the poverty in sub-Saharan Africa has increased while the rest of the world has gone down. Climate change is a terrible threat. As population has risen, there are more and more people living in the Sahel and the northern Guinea savannah who will be without water and without crops and they will have to go somewhere. It is a very, very serious future. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we're there mm -hmm. to work in the same, with the same principles, however they shall be expressed in need from overseas. This is the THET podcast on the Medics Academy Network. If you'd like to learn more about THET, you can find our website at thet.org.